Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Dr. Duena Welch, the author of the Love Factually book series, she is one of your favorites, and she's back today to talk about a pain point that so many of you in my community wrestle with. It's something that I devoted a chapter of my book to, but I didn't like it either, so I wanted to bring on someone who's looked at the science behind online dating and dating apps. Dr. Welch has looked at this extensively, as she does with all the topics that she addresses in her books, and she herself has recently been back on the dating scene and met her new boyfriend via apps. So she has not only the science and the research to back up her perspective and approach, but also her personal experience. So... Dr. Welch is back to join us, and she will tell us all the science-based realities about online and app dating right after this. Dr. Welch, welcome to Love and Life yet again. Dr. Anderson Abril, thank you for having me on Love and Life yet again. It's so much fun. We really appreciate, we in the Love and Life community, we really appreciate your work. As you know, I cite your research all the time, and it really provides that concrete science-based approach to dating because it feels so chaotic out there and confusing. So we really need this voice of reason and truth and fact-based strategies for embarking upon the dating scene. Today, we want to talk about specifically dating apps and online. This is a question I'm sure you get from members of your community. I do all the time as well. It seems very hard to approach these platforms with, as you've coined it, high status, which I love, with that high status empowered dating, as I put it, and borrow from your work in that concept as well. But how do we do that? How do we embark upon these platforms, remaining grounded in what we know to be true, which is our worth and our value, as we try to meet people and and look for love? You know, those are such great questions. And I want to start off with the bad news and then progress to the good news. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) The bad news is it is harder than it was a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. that's because Tinder really changed things. It really took things from platforms where you got to say a lot about yourself and who you were looking for and really look into the person to platforms where pretty much you've got several pictures and a few phrases. And, you know, people value and act on whatever information they have, the less information they have, the more heavily they weigh every scrap of information that they get. And so if all you've got is a few pictures, guess what people base their judgment on? Pictures. Yeah. And it's it's hard for a couple reasons. First of all, not all of us, raising my hand here, look like cover girls. And second of all, <laughs> you know, a lot of us have a lot more going for us than just looks. And third of all, it's not just that other people are judging us mostly based on looks. It's that we judge them that way. So what research shows is most people right now on apps that provide pictures and not much other information, most people are swiping right on people about 10% better looking than they themselves. And that's a problem. Mm, mm-hmm. 
That's a real problem because research could not be more clear that if everyone does that effectively, the people at the top of the pool in terms of empirically good looks, they're getting the most attention. They're choosing people who are at their same level because there's nobody even higher. And what we know for sure is that when women choose partners, men especially, who are better looking than us, we tend to get completely ignored. When men do it, they tend to get, they'll, they'll get some people who will say yes, but usually they get cheated on and then dumped. So what we want to do is achieve a match. That said, there are ways around this. Yeah, it, this is this is exactly it. It's that conundrum and it's because people feel so commodified on these platforms, right? And they they have that sense of there's so much more to me than just this picture. And as we know, attraction can grow, especially for women. Attraction grows when we're with someone and he's funny and he's smart and he's caring. All of a sudden, that guy who we would have rated whatever rating, he gains a couple notches. And so with these platforms that provide such a, a very flat and two-dimensional, if that, maybe one-dimensional aspect of a person, it really puts us in a place where our normal dating strategies that have worked for thousands of years, they're not able to operate effectively. It's hard. I mean, I'm going to talk about some ways around it, but we've got to start by acknowledging the landscape, even for online, has it has changed. It has gotten mm -hmm. tougher. It has become more of what people call the meat market. And so mm -hmm. I see why people get so discouraged. And as you know, Dr. Karen, I myself was online dating just a few months ago. And so I am very aware yeah. from a personal standpoint of just what this is like. But I used my own tips and found love. And I know that the people who are listening to this can do it as well. And I'm in my 50s. So, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. One of the first things that I thought we might talk about is since pictures are so important, what kind of pictures do you need? What sets you up to be high status and what sets you up to be quite the opposite? Excellent. Yes, let's go. So the first thing I can tell you is, even though I hate this, you know, I hate a lot of what science finds, right? <laughs> yes, you're very clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's a reason there's not a phrase, don't hug the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I give people messages they don't want to hear. I don't want to hear them either, people. I really don't. But the truth is, all of us, people are reading our t-shirt, our proverbial t-shirt, whatever it is you're wearing, people are assuming that it means something about you. And if you're wearing something extremely tight or revealing, guess what they assume it means? I'm not going to say the words because those words are antiquated and shouldn't exist anymore and there's a double standard, but it doesn't mean the person I'm going to marry. Yeah. So... By the way, men pay a penalty for that too. Men who, you know, the guys who take shirtless selfies and put, think that's going to be there. No, 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 no. We right. all know who you are, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> it really doesn't work for anybody to wear clothes that are considered overly tight, overly revealing, possibly provocative. What works is showing your shape without having your clothes be too tight. Often wearing solid colors is a better choice than wearing prints because men are heavily oriented toward your figure. And look, you're going to meet some of these people in person. And if you look one way in your pictures and you don't look as good in real life, 
it's not like they're going to say, oh, well, but she, she has a great personality. You, men are extremely visual creatures. That it's, it's a binary yes or no for them. So don't put yourself in the position to get invested in somebody and then get rejected. In fact, I suggest putting up pictures that are slightly less good looking than you are in real life so that anyone whose bar you match, who matches yours, it's a slam dunk. You are m- more than what they're looking for. And again, do I use these strategies in my own life? Yes, absolutely. Because they work. Because you want people to be wowed by you when they when they meet you. And so, you know, make sure that people can see your waist. If you have a discernible waist, make sure that stands out. It doesn't have to be like hourglass, just if it's even discernible, which is funny because what I wrote in my ad was that I had a discernible waist. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't say it was small. <laughs> discernible. Oh my goodness. That is getting very technical, but I, this is a very counterintuitive approach that is science-based and that's why it's so important. And yeah, I, I'm remembering some of, I used to teach a team course with a sociologist and an anthropologist when I was teaching at Chicago State University. And I remember the anthropologist speaking to this, that there's a ratio. And I think you mentioned it in your book as well. I can't remember the exact numbers that and so it's not about being a size two, but it, you could be a size 22, but men are drawn to that hourglass shape. So we want to make sure that that's visible, discernible, <laughs> but also not trying to lead with an indication that we would be then treated as if this is all we're good for. And I hate even talking about this because it, it has that shaming element. But if our goal is to have partnership with a man, we have to work with the way that men are wired. One other point, Duana, that it came to mind when I was thinking about the guys flexing in front of the mirror shirtless, it reminded me again from my anthropologist friend about posturing, right? Like a peacock who's showing his feathers. So in a way, I think that impulse, he's got the right idea, right? And he's probably biologically primed to want to show off and posture, and yet it doesn't work, again, on these platforms. And really, it makes most women cringe. Yeah, when men do that, they're committing what I have coined a term for mating centrism, which means that Mm -hmm. they are applying Mm -hmm. their own mating psychology to us. They would love it if we showed so much skin, but we don't love it when they do. We think that they are players and worse. And, you know, a lot of times we're right about that, which is, you know, why men will tell us often through self-presentation whether they are commitment oriented or not. So, you know, guys probably aren't really listening to this, but if you are, you might want to rethink some of how you're presenting yourself if you're doing it that way. The waist to hip ratio is 0.7, which means the waist is 30% smaller than the hips. That's the ideal. I want to, so I worked with one of the scientists who was doing some of that research. And I asked her, I wish I I can't remember her name right now. I asked her when we were teaching at the same university, Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, I said, how long did it take you to stop being depressed about the waist to hip ratio thing? And she goes, (laughs) she goes, I'm not over it. You know, know, so, so I get that we don't love that. I want to emphasize What science finds is the ideal. The truth is, in real life, what people get is matching. Women get someone Mm -hmm. who's about as attractive as we are. Men who get someone who's about as attractive as they are. We usually get someone who has about the same resources that we do, and same for women and men. The exception is when there is an older, wealthier man, or if it's two women, woman, and a younger, more attractive 
woman or if it's two men, a younger, more attractive man. People trade off youth and beauty for resources, basically. But most of us wind up with a match. So I don't have anywhere near a 0.7. I'm 52. You know that the 0.7, the reason that men value it all over the world is it indicates fertility. I'm not fertile people. And my waist to hip ratio shows it. That's okay. Men are not, yes, if if they're looking at, you know, porn or if they're looking at do people even look at magazines anymore? I don't know. If they're looking at, at art, art going all the way back to cave paintings, what it shows is a 0.7, but that's the ideal. Our evolutionary inherited mating psychology tells us to go for an ideal. It, it shapes our preferences. It tells us which tail feather to shake. We are all peacocks and peahens, but it's telling us the ideal. It's not saying these are the only people who are going to match up. Mm-hmm. So when you get your pictures taken, you want to show the best version of you. You want to show a version of you that men construe as being more commitment-minded, more in line with, um, to some extent, modesty. Again, I hate this. I'm cringing as I say this. <laughs> I'm rewriting my first book and I'm just going, oh, cringe, 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 because mm-hmm. I have to present stuff I don't want to, but mm-hmm. I have to present it. A- another thing to keep in mind is do be doing something in these pictures that mm-hmm. you enjoy. I love hiking. So my pictures were all of me hiking and the, all of them. So I was wearing hiking clothes. I only had two different outfits on in these pictures, which is fine. Make sure you've got some full body shots. Again, look, I've, I've talked to women who said, yeah, you know, I used to only put headshots and then I would get to the date and the guy wouldn't be attracted to me and why not? And I would say, you know, there are men who like larger women. Yes. Men like an hourglass shape. They like at least a discernible waist, but there are guys where they're exceptional. You know, most does not mean all. Yes, there are things most men want. It doesn't mean they all want that. If you have something exceptional going on, go for the exceptional person. But it's not going to work to go for the guy who wants something you don't have and then hope it's going to be different when you meet a person. You've got to have a full body shot. It needs to show that you, it needs to show what you really look like. I almost never wear I wear a tiny little Scotia makeup every day. Tiny, tiny, tiny. It, uh, why do I bother? Really, I look the same when I wake up. I don't, I don't know why I bother. And so, <laughs> it's a ritual of some sort. <laughs> it is. You can't tell. I mean, seriously, you can't tell I'm wearing the makeup. So <laughs> every morning I think, why? Why, Duena? Why do you do this? And that's the exact same amount that I wore for my pictures because... You know, this is how it is with me, folks. This is it. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy new clothes. I wore clothes that, you know, didn't look beat to heck, but they were clothes I would actually wear hiking. And don't have other people in your pictures, but if you have a big dog, have the big dog in your pictures. So what's the science say about having dogs in your pictures? Well, they're dude magnets, especially big dogs. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Big dogs. Yeah, I think there's nothing that brings a community together more. We have this annual pup crawl for the shelter that we support and that we got our dogs from. And it's so fun because you go and there's these massive dogs and itty bitty dogs and people, you know, with 17 piercings in their face and then people who look like they walked right off a J. Crew catalog and everyone's just joined together by that mutual love of dogs. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Very much so. But there is something about guys and big dogs. <laughs> that that said, again, there's you know there are exceptions, but it, I'm dating a cat person, 
So but I, <laughs> I, there, let's put it this way. You're not going to turn almost anybody off with a picture. If you've got a, a dog, you might turn some people on, however. And, mm-hmm. you know, it shows a nurturing side without showing something that most men don't connect with. For example, a lot of women think, oh, I'm going to have a picture taken with my children and post. No, do not do that. We don't want to appear, appeal to the pedophiles out there. We don't yes. want some, we don't want to create a contrast effect where Mr. Creeper is more interested in our 15 year old daughter or son than us. We don't want to do that. Nobody else should be in your pictures, but you and maybe your dog. That's it. No, that's such good advice. And I, again, I know that people who are single moms and that includes you. So you know this very intimately that they want to be like, I want to make sure that I'm with someone who is a nurturing, kind, potential father figure. But goodness, when you're on these platforms where thousands and thousands of people are swiping through, oh, it's, yeah, it just makes my makes me sick to my stomach to think about how someone might be viewing those pictures. You know, and here's the other thing. Let's say that there are no creepers in the world. We know that's not true, but let's say just for a moment that that's the case. If you've ever sold a house, you know that there's something called staging. And in staging, you put away most of your personal possessions and you create a clean enough backdrop that people can walk through your house and they can picture what their life would be if they bought your house. You know, when you're presenting your pictures in a way, a real way, you are marketing yourself. Later on, when somebody loves you, this isn't going to matter nearly as much. But right now, it's most of the information you have. So, and they have, so it does. And you don't want to, the man needs to fall in love with you before he gets the job of being the stepdad to your kids. That's where I'm going with this. Yes. Yes. And that's, it's, that's only fair. And also protect your children, not just from the creeps, like you said, we can set that aside, but even from the reality that, and, and I married a man with children and I didn't meet his kids for many, many, many months until we had been dating exclusively for about four or five months. And he proposed like two months later after I, so he knew he was going to propose. And that's when I met his kids because kids don't need to be going through bonding with this mom's new boyfriend. And then he takes off and they have another loss. We have to be very careful about that. And I know that when we're coming from a place of excitement, enthusiasm to meet someone and we meet someone and again, we're, we, we th- see all the potential, we still have to protect our kids because that's we don't want to give them another loss. We do. And you know, I totally get that. One of the things women are thinking is, I don't want a man who's not okay with kids, so I'm just going to put it right. out there. And you right. should have it in your profile that you have children. Mm-hmm. But because this is something you would tell, you know, back when people saw bank tellers and didn't do what I do, uh, and everyone does now online banking, you would you would tell you know you would tell anybody that information. It's not something you should hide, but don't put it front and center either. And another reason women put pictures of their kids up is it works when men do it. It's mating centrism. Women are assuming that men Mm -hmm. will respond positively to pictures of children because women commonly respond quite positively to pictures of men's children. They think that the man is more nurturing, especially pictures of men with very young children, women that does work for guys. So, you know, I get why women do it, but don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That mating centrism, I think, is one of the themes of all your work. And it's typical. We assume in many realms that other people operate the way we do, that they think the way we do. And certainly when we're talking about male-female dynamics in the dating scene, we need to appreciate what 
men are coming, how they're coming at the process very differently. And I think that's really important. And it's, that's what your work does is really sheds light. <laughs> Again, sometimes it sheds light that you really wish weren't the case, but here we are. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Duana, what would be another recommendation? We've talked about pictures. What are some of the other recommendations to be able to, to move through this, this scene, this dating scene out there with more of a high-powered and a high-status approach? So I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I learned from doing it myself last January. I made a deal with myself that I would get online on December 31st, not because I was thrilled about going online. Nobody's, I, I do not trust people who are thrilled about this. I got to tell yeah. you, I did Good it because, point, yeah, I, yeah I, I, this is not fun and expecting it to be fun will ironically have the impact of making it less likely that you will persist. Expect that this is a part-time job. Sometimes you're going to mm-hmm. enjoy it. Sometimes you're not, but you're going to maintain your diligent effort. Well, The reason I got on on December 31st, I made myself a deal that I would do it, is that I knew that that it's it's like gym memberships. You know how every January more people sign up for the gym than any other month. The same is true for online dating. And the reason is people go through the holidays and they think, ah, crap, I can't believe I spent another holiday season by myself. And then they say, not next year, not next year, Satan. And so they go ahead and they get online. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I needed to do that. And so I did, but I did this thing and I just happened to do it. I did not think of it as a high status move at the time, but it totally was. I put at the end of my ad, I, by the way, one of the things you should do, I write ads for people all the time. And you can bet I wrote a good one for myself. <laughs> and so I wrote a casting call. I pretended that I was the um, casting director for an upcoming rom-com and I was looking for the male lead. And so I was describing what this male lead would look like, what he would be like, really more what he would be like. And then at the bottom, it said, if you are interested in this role, please respond with your qualifications point by point. All good response answers will be replied to. And then I said, this casting call ends. And I said, on January 30th, I gave it 30 days. Wow. That's interesting. And the reason I did it that way is I had gone online and done, I had realized through working with clients, because you know, dating sites, they don't tell you their algorithms. I'm, I'm having a guess. I'm, I'm having a guess because I do a lot of this work. And so here's what I am guessing. My experience with clients says I'm quite probably right, but I cannot prove it because none of the companies are going to tell me. They push you really hard for like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's it. After that, they want to mm-hmm. sell you ways to promote yourself. You shouldn't have to do that. So what I did and what I do with my clients is we do research into what the top dating sites are in their area, which ones charge money, which ones uh, don't. And 
which ones let you give the most information about yourself and what you're looking for. And so what I did for myself, what I do for my clients is we prioritize, okay, we want sites that allow you to give a lot of information rather than only pictures and a few phrases. That's what we're going to prioritize first. We want to do sites that allow you to have a one month membership so that they have to promote you the whole time because what do they want? Look, just look at this from a business standpoint. Is it to their advantage to treat you like old news if you only have a one month membership? No, they want you to stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one month memberships create a list where you prioritize, okay, I'm going to do this one first, this one second, this one third, and then be on each one for only one month and then cycle back through if you need to. You're always Mm -hmm. the new girl. So that's what I decided to do. What I didn't realize I should have because duh, psychology, I only taught it for 20 years (laughs) and I taught social psych. So specifically, I know all about the psychology of social economics where you, you know, if you make yourself a scarce resource, of course, people are more supply and demand. Well, when I Mm -hmm. said this is over on January 30th, people were like, okay, I'm writing right now. I'm not going to wait. She's not going to be there. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's scarcity. The, Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is. And, you know, by the way, I wasn't lying. That's one thing about high status versus playing hard to get. Being yes. high status, I wasn't playing hard to get. I, I meant it. Bye bye. I'm, I'm gone in 30 days. Right. I meant it. You should mean it. Mm-hmm. It should mm-hmm. be true. And that's the part where some of the work that we do with those in our communities is trying to make sure that whatever obstacles or limiting beliefs have been in place, that cause a woman to doubt if she means it. Because high status, I mean, I remember when I first came across your work and I didn't realize it, but some of those things I had been doing and I was happy because I was like, oh gosh, I was in line with the science even when I didn't know it. And I know much of your work as a psychologist, you stumbled upon this yourself when you, I remember with, you talked about with your your former husband, he was like, Duena, you know this stuff from your own journey and just trying to l- use the research and the science for your own pursuit. Others need to know this. Again, that playing hard to get is, I really hate that term because it, it speaks to game playing, which everyone hates on the dating scene. Although there is a bit of, there's a bit of that, that it feels like that, even though it's not people trying to play games. But again, it's people who are bringing what they, what they have to bring to the table if we fully believe that what we have to bring is worth something, that someone who is going to partner up with us will be better off because of our presence in his life, well, then that's just genuine. Like, I am high status and you're lucky to be with me. Not in this kind of, I I think I'm better than other people out there. No, it's not about that. It's just knowing your worth. And so, yeah, I love that you're saying that. It's It's not a posture. It's not a pose. It's a true understanding of who you are and what you're about and what you bring to a relationship. Well, it really is. And you know, the thing is, I get it if somebody says, oh, this sounds great, but I don't have high status. My self-esteem's in the gutter. That's okay. But what I am going to suggest, again, from the science is that you fake it till you make it. We know that that our attitudes cause our behaviors. I hate getting up early, therefore I seldom do. But we also know our behaviors cause our attitudes. I got up early this morning and then I felt like being up. So- You can change your attitude by changing your behavior. Learn how to behave in a high status way and your attitude will follow. And there are people who say this is game playing. And to them, I would say 
all of us have to shake a tail feather. All of us do. When we see birds doing their mating dance, we don't think, oh, look at them. They're playing games. How stupid. We understand that for them, for some reason, this is important. And it turns out scientists actually know what those reasons are with peacocks. And that is that the males who have shorter tails, yeah, size matters when you're a peacock, ha ha ha. The males who have short, <laughs> the males who have shorter tails and fewer eye spots on their tails, those males have worse genetic contributions to make. Their chicks die at double the rate of the chicks of males who are quote unquote better endowed. So we know that females are choosing genetic fitness when they choose those males. Now, are the peacocks and peahens consciously aware of this? No, they are not. Similarly, human mating psychology is there to help us survive and, and reproduce successfully, and it is largely unconscious. Most of us are not aware of it. The reason that people sometimes get mad at me for exposing human mating psychology is that once you know about it, people can exploit it. I don't want mm. you to quote unquote exploit it. I want you to make genuine changes to have high status, not just fake it. But most of us have to begin by faking it. That's just the way it is. Most of us, I would dare say, are not raised with a a font of endless positive regard and love and support and e examples of exactly how to love ourselves. We have to learn that. Yes. It's so powerful to look at the reality. And again, it's based in the research that we can act as if is one of the therapeutic techniques that I shared with my newsletter community just last week. Acting as if, like you said, fake it till you make it. So ask yourself, what would a high status woman do? And if you don't know what a high status woman would do, then please read Love Factually and the second book, Love Factually for Single Parents and Those Who Date Them, and then also your online book. So please avail yourself of all this work that Dr. Welch has done and then act as if. What would a high status woman do in this situation? Behave in that manner. Let the feelings follow. Let the thoughts, the internalization of that status, let that follow because it really will. Exactly. And you know, I, I recently was approached by someone who said to me, you know, I really feel like everyone should be high status. There shouldn't be any gender differences here. Um, some people question whether gender is a real thing. Unfortunately, again, am I happy to report on this? No, I wish men and women were exactly like just with different hoo-hahs, but that is not the case, people. <laughs> the research couldn't be clearer. The research was conducted on every continent except for Antarctica, everyone, and it's been conducted in 37 cultures and countries. So the data are in, and they show that men shake a tail feather in a different way than women do. Most of our psychology is the same regardless of gender. But when it comes to mating, there is an unconscious program that is running our show. And if you don't understand it, you're at a disadvantage. And I don't mean so you can manipulate the hell out of people. I mean, so that you can protect yourself. Really, and this is one of the, you know, so I am rewriting my first book. But, you know, if you're getting my first book right now, that's totally cool because the science has only entrenched more firmly what I mm -hmm. said in the first book. It has only underscored it even more. I'm not having to change anything I said. I'm just adding mm -hmm. some more information to it. So you won't get the wrong information from either of my books. But one thing that I am changing is the way that I cast high status. Formerly, I think I focused a little bit too much on how men perceive it. And that's because women get so confused by male mating psychology and the fact that men don't see dating and mating the same exact way that we do. There is some overlap, 
but there's a lot of difference too. I've changed that a little bit. I still talk about that, but now I'm talking about, you know what? You're going to feel so much better about yourself. The journey there is going to be so much more empowering. You are going to have more options. They're going to be better options and you're going to like yourself more. You count. It's not just what they think, what you think matters. And that gets back to a concept that I love that you emphasize. I love your booklet on empowered dating. I love your, your work on telling women, how do you become the high status woman? Cause you've got a lot of details about that. And yeah, the, the point here is not manipulate men into loving you. By the way, you can't right. do that. I just want to make it no. perfectly clear. You can't make people who love, love you, who aren't inclined. Unfortunately, the reverse isn't true. It's not true that you can't turn people off who might have fallen in love with you. That's totally possible. I know not fair, right? <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. And, and that's, again, it's, it's to empower ourselves with the knowledge of the science. And of course I I would assume, but it, it bears mentioning that we do this to be authentic and to be genuine in our pursuit and aware, not to manipulate. Obviously that's no one. I mean, I would, I would hope that no one in our communities would be thinking that that's what we're trying to do here with this information. That's not your energy or your heart behind any of this. No, I want to protect women. Look, there are predators out there. Mm -hmm. There really are. And I, that's not most men. In fact, research indicates that it is a small percentage of men who victimize many, many, many women. It is a small percent, Mm -hmm. but boy, do they get around. So I want to protect you and the behaviors that I talk about in all my work, they are protective. They build your self-esteem. They tip out the players. They bring the stayers closer. That's what they do. And I think those are all really great objectives and I hope people will pursue them. And one of the ways you can pursue them online is you can present, you can talk about him rather than you. You can make Mm -hmm. an ad And by the way, I teach people how to use these ads, even if they are on the pictures only profiles back channel. When somebody swipes right on you, you can send them your ad and you can say, Hey, it's great to hear from you. You're pretty cute. Um, I wrote an ad about the person I'm looking for. How do you think you fit and send them your ad? You can use your ad with your friends and family. You use it in real life and say, if you hear about somebody who hears about somebody who hears about somebody who is this guy, make sure we meet. All right. Write your ad about them. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One of them is nobody goes on BuzzFeed to take a quiz about the person who wrote the quiz. They they go on BuzzFeed to take a quiz about themselves. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Be BuzzFeed. Those of you who've been listening to Love and Life for a bit will remember my interview with Liz Forkin Bohannon, the creator of Seiko Designs. Seiko provides employment and educational opportunities for women in Uganda. And since that time, I've made it a point to try to buy gifts for my friends that have a dual purpose, something I know my friends will love that also empowers a woman here or abroad. If you'd like to join me and get a jump start on your Christmas shopping, head over to my Instagram page where I'll be sharing the link to join my Seiko shopping party. Thank you so much. I remember that from Love Factually, and I was, I'm so glad you brought it up because I was actually, that was my next question is because, right, people want to, it's just the thing that my mom told me before I went on my first date, just ask him a lot of questions about him and not so that he could be an egomaniac, just because people, human nature, people like to talk about themselves. Why do salespeople use your first name when they're interacting with you? Because people like to hear their name. It's that kind of thing. And so I remember that from the book where you talked about 
frame your ad, your bio, or the the bit that that entices the person you're hoping to entice them, frame it about them. So specifically, what you did is you made it, here's the role. I'm casting the role. Are you a fit for this role? As if it were an acting ad. And so what are some other ways people can be mindful of making it about the person who is going to be reading it so they can feel more engaged and interested? Well, you know, you know that I always start with a list. You Mm -hmm. know that this is a big activity. Every book that I write pretty much has this in it. I do this with all my clients. I'm going to do it with another client the moment we get off this podcast today. It's the most important work you can do is you can't get what you need if you don't know what you need. So start by writing down what you must have, what you want to have. Must-haves are just that. If the person was perfect but lacked this one thing, the deal's off. So for me, my deal, I I actually wrote very specifically on my must-haves, this is a person who drinks five drinks or fewer per year. Mm -hmm. That's specific. And that's a Mm must-have for me. If they drink more than that, I don't want to deal with it. I've been involved with too many people with substance abuse issues, which is weird because nobody I was raised with had a substance abuse issue. (laughs) I don't have one. And yet this has happened to me more than once. So, you know, I've just realized, you know what, Dwayna, that's just apparently you're not good at detecting when people have crossed the line. So let's put the line so low that this isn't going to be a problem for you anymore. So know yourself and then write an ad that pitches in a lighthearted way around what you have to have. So do you want to hear part of my ad? Yes, yes. I think that'd be really helpful. <laughs> I happen to have it right here. Okay. And it says, oh, it says wanted co-star for fun rom-com starring your name here. Opening scene, Anne Hathaway or another dark-eyed brunette with short hair, a winning smile, a discernible waist, fair skin, and a slender yet surprisingly strong build ponders having introduced many happy couples and wanting the same for herself. Wondering where her own match is, she decides to place an online ad for the role of eventual boyfriend. He. And then the rest of the ad is a description of him. Mm -hmm. And then at the bottom, it says, this casting call expires on 1-30-21. If you're interested in this role, contact the casting director by responding to this ad and referencing which qualifications you possess. All good fit replies will be answered. So some of the the central content, because really this ad is about him, but it's also about you. When you write what you want, you are describing yourself. That's what research indicates. People, you know, the old opposites tracked research finds that that's usually not the case. The reason people think it's the case is because after you know somebody, you start noticing your differences. Those are the things people argue about. And they think, oh, I I married my opposite. No, you probably married somebody who matches you very well. And now you're letting the differences overwhelm the relationship and its satisfaction, which is a whole topic for a different podcast. But for example, I said, he loves kissing. Doing several takes is a feature, not a bug. Because I like kissing. I want to be kissed. I'm not going to go the rest of my life without passion in my life. I said, he likes big brains and he cannot lie. (laughs) I said- That's so cute. (laughs) It's so clever. I love it. Thank you. I said, he's willing and able to discuss almost anything and he can ad lib dialogue. Whether or not he's got advanced degrees, he's into learning and talking about ideas. This is something I said that, again, it created what, and I didn't anticipate this, it created something called reactants. So I'm going to tell you what reactance is, and then I'm going to tell you what I said and what really happened. Reactance is the motive to restore our sense of freedom when it's been threatened. So if I say, 
you can't go to the polls. We're not going to let you vote. That's when we get huge long lines at the polls. Mm-hmm. Okay. If your parents told you in high school, we don't like him. You can't go out with him anymore. What did you, what, how did you act? <laughs> yeah. So I went on seven dates with him. <laughs> exactly. Ding, ding, ding. In fact, scientists came up with a term for that, the Romeo and Juliet effect, because it's so common. That's been studied. So I said, he's between 5'5 five, five and 5'9. Five, and actually the right man will be cast no matter his height. The female lead is 5'5. Five, five. Her photos are recent. Okay. Let me tell you the heights of the men who responded to my ad. Six foot eight. Oh my gosh. I know. Six foot five. <laughs> six foot four. Six foot four. Six foot two. Six foot two. Six foot two. Six foot oh. Six foot oh. Six foot oh. Six foot oh. I met one guy who was my height or the height I asked for. One. Reactants. The tall guys were like, oh my gosh, you can't say that you won't go out with me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you didn't, you were not aware of that when you were putting that down. It never occurred to me, even though again, I, it should have occurred to me. I've been doing what I do for a long time, but I, I don't, I don't try to create reactants in people. I, I view that as, you know, pushing the envelope right over into manipulation territory. I wasn't trying that. I actually, I know that 80% of women insist on a man who's six foot tall or taller. I also know that the average American male's height is five foot nine. And I know therefore women are cutting themselves out of the mating market by insisting on a quality that is not common. And I wanted the less well-endowed men in terms of height to know that I was going to be friendly to their approach, but I didn't get approached by them. So that's remarkable. And again, a good bit of information for women to know, just to have this understanding, uh, again, not to manipulate, but just to be aware and informed. One of the things you said, you said something like, oh, the ad's entertaining. If I've never yet met somebody who didn't care about the sense of humor that their partner possesses. I've never met a woman specifically who doesn't care. If you want somebody humorous, be humorous. If you want somebody smart, be smart. If you want somebody clever, be clever. Don't just ask Mm -hmm. for the quality. I want you to embody the qualities that you are asking for in this ad as you pitch it. If you want Mm. somebody who is fun, have a lighthearted, fun attitude. And I would also encourage you to use the word fun in your ad more than once. One reason for that is that men are just as focused on youth and beauty as women are on provision and protection. These are global Mm -hmm. differences between the genders. It doesn't matter if a guy's gay or straight, he still wants youth and beauty. It doesn't matter if a woman is gay or straight, she still wants provision and protection. Hence, why the people who are most afraid of losing their looks are the people who are trying to attract a man, straight women, gay men. And hence, why people who want to attract a woman tend to be more concerned with, do I have the goods, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. at some level, we do know what the genders want. That's why people lie about it. It's why women lie about their age and men lie about their height, right? Right. That's why they're doing it. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. Another thing related to fun, I remember a study from years ago that looked at men 
one of the their top priorities, I'd be curious if you've come across any research like this as well. One of their top priorities, of course, youth beauty, and that has to do with the two Fs that you speak to and love factually, fertility and fidelity. But then also they want a companion to pal around with, like a playmate, not in the Playboy bunny sense. But a, so they want someone who's going to be fun to go do things with. And have that because that's how men create emotional bonds. They they do that with their friends. Very rarely do two guys go out and have a cup of coffee. They do it to a degree, but not the way that women will and just chit chat. They typically will go and do an activity together and then talk. They're they're golfing all day and they talk throughout, but there's an activity. And so they look for that in their female partners as well. You know, I think that's a great point. I think it's both and. I think it's that, but women also want someone to do things with. It's it's lonely. I didn't like going hiking by myself, and the, yeah. the things I like to do, I, I enjoy it so much more with a partner. I, so I think there's something to what you just said, and at the same time, the reason that I encourage women to put the word fun in their profile is who's most focused on fun: sixty year olds or twenty year olds when it comes to women. Mm, okay. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. I believe yep. this is conflated with men's perception that you are young and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if the words yep. fun are in there and you seem fun. Mm-hmm. Look, it's not so much that men want a specific number. It's not even that they consciously want fertility. You know, at my age, I was meeting guys who they've all got all the kids they ever want. They might have a vasectomy. Right. They might never have wanted children. They're happy that mine's grown and out of the house, you know? So it, the thing about mating psychology is it still operates no matter how old we are. Right. Men still want mm-hmm. markers of youth and beauty, even when it's biologically irrelevant. A lot of guys would love to meet a woman around their age who felt to the guy like she was young and beautiful. I was talking to this guy that he said, you know, I've dated women of all different ages. What bothers me is when I meet a woman of any age who, when I talk to her, she just seems old, meaning Mm -hmm. no more adventure. So yeah, have the concepts in your ad that show who you are, who you're looking for, and also what men are looking for. Show it. Now, if you really are totally boring, okay, I guess go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't advertise something you're not. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I guess some people are totally boring, but then they would, maybe it's just a reframe of their low key and they like quiet and they don't like adventures. And so they want to find someone who's also low key and quiet and doesn't like risk taking in adventures. Yes. And in their case, I would recommend an ad that says, let's be quiet together. And then, and then says something like, if your idea of adventure is sitting at opposite ends of the couch holding each other's feet while reading a book and listening to music. You're my guy. Yeah. That's not boring. That's cozy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I want to write your ad, people. (laughs) I know. I was just going to ask you, can people, is this a service you offer or is this part of your coaching process if anyone's interested? People can hire me only to write their ads. Some people do that. More people hire me to basically, and I now have packages at my, if you go to um, lovesciencemedia.com, I now have get coaching and it's got the packages that I offer. And 
and different, you know, people can choose, okay, so do I want to learn how to online date and have her write my profile? Do I just want her to write my profile? Do I want her to teach me, you know, how to present myself? Do I want to learn how to communicate more effectively? There's all kinds of stuff. But basically, I mean, I'll help people do anything start to finish from before you meet until after you are partnered or married and whatever issues you're having, I, I will do it all. But I do love to write people's profiles. I mean, I love it. Like I smack my hands together and go, ha, 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 let's do this. Okay. So since we're talking about it, where can they contact you to have you help them with their bio? Sure. Well, you can reach out to me by email, but I'm just going to give you the website that shows all the packages and everything. And it has okay. a way to email me there. And that's www.lovesciencemedia, lovesciencemedia.com. Yeah. So reach out to me there and, you know, there's an Ask Duena tab. It'll send your email to me and we can make it happen. Okay, perfect. Before we wrap up, Dr. Welch, what do we do once we have matched? Because I think sometimes those early days where even before we've maybe met face to face in those early correspondences, the early correspondence on the app, sometimes I think it can be troubling. How do I begin to cultivate this relationship and remain high status. Okay. So this is another one of those cringy things. Don't chase him for God's sake. Stop. (laughs) That is not high status. You're taking his job away. He doesn't like it. Even if he says he does, the only men who like this just want to hit it and quit it. I'm sorry. It's true. It is. I know it's, it's hard to hear, but, and again, don't shoot the messenger. Everyone, please hug the messenger. (laughs) (laughs) she's on your side promise I really am and I know how hard it is I just did this oh my god so here's what you do don't reach out to men first look the data are in OkCupid collected this massive amount of data they found that men are eight times more likely to reach out than women you don't have to reach out the guy will do it you put up the best ad that you can or the best pictures and then the best ad to respond with that you can and then you await them approaching you. If a couple weeks go by and you think, this isn't working. Okay. Then like a few guys and just see what happens. Treat your life as its own experiment. But having shown that much interest, you're done. They need to pursue you. If you're on Bumble, which forces women to make the first move and everybody knows that once you made the first move, that's it. After that, he's pursuing Mm -hmm. you. Now, if he pursues you with, Hey babe, nice pics. And you actually had an ad like the one that I wrote. Oh no. A high status woman does not go, oh, you just sent me something that you could send 2 million other women. Spray and pray will totally work for me. I'll give you a nice long response. No. If he doesn't reach out with something that specifically responds to your ad, completely ignore that. Completely. But if he responds with something that I wish I had asked my sweetie pie if I could read his response. It is so great. It went line by line through my ad and responded exactly to what I had said and stayed in character. Wonderful response. (laughs) Wonderful response. I should have asked him before we did this. Anyway, if, if you get a real response where this person put thought, energy, effort into responding to you in a personalized way that he could not have sent to anybody else, In that case, yes, you're going to write back to him and you're either going to, what you're going to do is you're going to go over to his profile. You're going to see if he has any deal breakers. If he does, you're going to say, oh, you know, I I know that it takes courage to reach out in such a personal way. I really appreciate that you took the time. Unfortunately, I don't think we're enough of a match, but I wish you well in your search. Why do you do that? Good karma, people. Kindness and respectfulness are 
the core qualities of people who make a happy life partnership with someone. So you should be practicing that all the time, science proven. But let's say that you go on and he has most of what you know you have to have and they're outstanding questions. So for example, you know, increasingly politics are really important. In fact, over the past 20 years, they've become increasingly important as a way for people to identify someone that matches them in their value system. And I've got to say values are super important. If something's really important to you, then you shouldn't compromise on it. So this one guy, I wrote to him and I said, thanks so much for reaching out. I really like your profile. I really like your answers. The only thing I can't tell is if we're on the same page politically. It's really hard for me to discern that. And so, you know, you've kind of said something nebulous and I'm wondering if you can say more about that. And so he did. And so Again, if the answer at that point is no, send him the note that I just described. But if the answer is yes, then keep corresponding. The next step is I want you to only go back and forth up to four times before you offer your phone number to the guy. And I bet you wonder why. Okay, so someone's going to say no, Dr. Welch, then I'd be chasing. Yeah. And you know, there's a time I would have thought that too. Let me share my thinking on this. High status does not mean that you let him make all the decisions. In fact, high status means that sometimes you throw down the gauntlet and he either rises up and picks it up or he doesn't. You don't care. You're going on about your life. The way that you present your phone number matters. What gave me this idea and caused me to start testing it out because there's no science just specifically on when women provide their numbers and when they don't. It's a, a more of a general thing about high status. What got me thinking about this was a lot of people, male and female, seem to be on app and online just to get their ego stroked. Like, I wonder who's out there. If I left my current relationship, would anybody like me? Or I, I'm bored and it's a Friday night and I want somebody to show me that they would be into me if I were into them. But hey, we all know I'm never going to ask you out. So some guys will treat this as a pen pal situation and just stay, they'll just keep writing you letters kind of forever. It's a bizarre phenomenon. Many of my clients have experienced this. And so I, you know, a high status woman doesn't let somebody waste her time. She just doesn't. So what I did, and then I, I treat my own life as my experiment too. And I thought, okay, Dwayne, you are going to try this out first rather than ask your clients to, and you're just going to see how it works. So what I started doing is, on the fourth volley, if the guy hadn't already asked for my number, I sent him the following note. I am really enjoying getting to talk with you. I would love to put a voice with a name. And so I would love to have a phone call from you. I don't do texting with someone I'm just getting to know, but here's my number and here's my real name for your research purposes. And I would appreciate if you do call me having your real name and your phone number ahead of time so that your call comes through instead of my carrier sending it to the outer darkness of voicemail. And then I said, hope to hear from you soon, exclamation point, smiley face, because, you know, emoji time. Anyway, <laughs> fun fact, using emojis is associated with a better sex life. Yay. It doesn't mean they cause it, though. I mean, it's just correlation. <laughs> Cor correlation is causation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But nonetheless, I find I do use more emojis now. <laughs> hey, we got to use all the data and all the science. <laughs> it's not going to hurt. So anyway, right. the thing is, men will at this point 
do a number of things. And if you're high status, you don't care which one of them they do. One of the things that they will do, and you don't care because you're still meeting other guys, you're not cutting off your options. One of the Mm -hmm. things that you're going to do is uh, if they don't respond to you at all, you just move on with your life. You're already talking to other guys online anyway. Don't give men commitment they didn't ask for and don't deserve. That's not high status. It's low status, depressing, and clean. Don't do it. Even if you have to make yourself, don't do it. Second thing, a guy might text you right after you emphasize that you don't do texting, that you prefer a call, that you want to put a voice with a name. Ignore it. I have people go, oh, really? Ignore it? That's so mean. No, it's not. Look, a man who thinks he just met the person who could be his future wife is not going to try to fight with you through his behavior about whether he's going to meet the bar or not. He's going to meet the flipping bar. That's what he's going to do. If he texts you after all that, don't respond unless he says, I'm sending you a text just so you know my number for when I call, in which case send back a smiley face and say, looking forward to it. And that's it. The third possibility is he will actually call or he'll write you back channel on the app and say, what would be a good time for you, which is perfectly acceptable. You know, calling feels like overreach for a lot of people now. The call is your friend. It gets rid of players because players want somebody to deliver the nookie with almost no work on their part. Stayers are not going to try to court a bunch of women at once. They're going to be willing to put out a high cost signal in the form of a call that takes their time, their energy, their intellect, and their creativity. Somebody who doesn't care is never doing that. So it, it's a win for you. That's what I'm saying. So that's kind of my very, very, very short primer on how to do this. Thank you so much for all these tangibles. It's so hard, I think, for this brand new landscape that, as you've shared yourself, you had to hop back into this scene recently. And it, because it's this brave new world of communicating and meeting and dating in a way that we've never experienced before, these tangible, concrete, science-based approaches are so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing this with my community. Let's reiterate where people can find you, get your books, and perhaps work with you if they want that coaching support or if they want help with their bio. Let them know where to find you. You are so welcome, and I love your community, and you can all find me. I'd be thrilled to work with you. You can find me. You can find my books at lovefactually.co, not .com, .co, lovefactually with an F.co. There is a Get Coaching tab there that will take you to my broader website, or you can go to the broader website and just directly go to the coaching tab and that's www.lovesciencemedia.com. Thank you so much. And until next time. Yes. Thank you. The love and life hack for this week is there's an app for that. I know that online dating and app dating can be so frustrating, but I was encouraged to hear that there are some strategies that can make the process so much easier and potentially help you meet your person. Thank you as always for joining us today. If you haven't had a chance to grab my Empowered Dating Playbook, please do so by going over to loveandlifemedia.com. It's free and you'll join my newsletter list so you'll be the first to know everything that's going on in the Love and Life community. We do have two more spots for the newest group that I'm going to roll out in the next couple weeks. So if you're interested in getting some support from other women who are leveling up in love and life, head over to the website to get that information as well. 
Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Averill.